following discussion is for educational purposes only and is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. Please do not apply any of this information without first speaking with your doctor. What is up, everyone, and welcome to the Diabetes Podcast, where we discuss how to take control of your health and gain the freedom to live the life that you deserve. I'm Gary Pano, and with me is my co-host, Dr. Grady Donahoe, who is a board-certified chiropractic internist. Hey, Diabetes. We are back. And it's just me and Garrett. We're back to the duo. And right. today we're going to be talking about personal responsibility and the cost of healthcare. So digging deep into what it costs to be a diabetic, but more importantly, what it costs to be healthy. Um, and so it, I think it's going to be a really good conversation. Um, I'm excited to talk about it. And we're going to dive into a lot of detail and a lot of just kind of discussion on on the pros and cons of different different scenarios within healthcare. Yeah, I mean, this isn't our official let's bash on an insurance episode or anything <laughs> like that, but I feel like there's been a lot going on in my life <laughs> recently. And, uh, you know, I think it's in the United States, it's very apparent how hard healthcare is. I mean, obviously, there's so much going on in healthcare in the United States and in the world right now, whether you talk about immune health, uh, whether you're talking about insurances, whether you talk about um, the role of government in, and versus private, you know, all these things. And as a diabetic, it's like it, it directly, it directly affects us, whether you're type one, type two, gestational, pre-diabetic, you know, or just have glucose intolerance of some kind, you know, uh, this can affect you in those aspects or anyone for that matter. I mean, this is just such a sub field. This is a specific podcast about diabetes, but man, uh, America is not that healthy. So there are a lot of health conditions that, you know, these conversations are really can affect. And, mm -hmm. but at the same time, you know, I think the mission of this podcast, you know, Grady and to everyone that's listening, all the other fellow diabetes out there is, you know, just really trying to hit home that no matter the struggle, that you face, it's all individualized, but uh, you can take control of your health. You can live and thrive with diabetes. And uh, today, you know, trying to talk a little bit more about healthcare and we might get a little raw and uh, you know, about some conversations of things, but at the end of the day, no matter what, you have the power to be healthy and that should inspire you. It can be scary, but every day we get up and we try again and we try mm -hmm. again We just keep going. So, um, I just kind of wanted to reaffirm that before we started jumping into cost of living healthy. So, mm -hmm. but that being said, there's this idea out there, especially in, in the space that, uh, you know, Dr. Grady and I are in of the prevention and preventative healthcare, you know, prevention and versus like ketchup or wait and see type stuff. Right. Or, uh, what's the slogan? I'm, I'm blanking on it in my mind grade. It's like an ounce of health like prevention is worth like a pound of gold and you know do, do you know what i'm trying to get at yeah you know? i know i uh, i don't know the exact thing okay. but um but yeah essentially like 
just doing a little bit of prevention each and every day is worth so much more in the long run because um, you're going to be, I mean, I, I talk about this all the time with people. It's an investment. You invest a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. And by the time you're ready to retire, you have enough money to live off of for years and years. Same thing goes with healthcare. If you invest a little bit at a time each day, each day, um, that health is going to be building, but at the same time, um, it's going to last much longer um, into your later years. And so you can enjoy your life uh, much longer too. Mm -hmm. So a big topic of that prevention then is, you know, is food, the choice we eat for our food. Mm -hmm. I think for the most part, uh, people know what's good and what's bad. You know, people know that McDonald's is bad, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, so people can have this innate sense of, you know, I should or shouldn't eat that. But uh, what drives people to eat certain things versus others and um, the cost of some things and cost of convenience. Cause like, like you're saying, those little investments um, can add up in a positive way or a negative way um, over time, but you can always start over it too. So, uh, you know, we've had two guests on here recently um, that eat primarily an animal based diet, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of almost hard. It's almost hard to get, I feel like. And that's one of the questions I asked Jay, like, Obviously, he's in a different country, so it's not like it would be a lot of details that he would tell me <laughs> compared to, you know, how I live my life right now or how you live your life or any majority of our listeners are in the United States. But, um, you know, how, how do you acquire only meat into your world or how do you just, you know, the cost of maybe organic grass fed, low fat beef versus, uh, you know, non <laughs> you know, yeah. regular hamburger, you know, uh, can Grady kind of talk about just even that, um, comparison of this bit, you know, really clean meat versus not clean meat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that the point that you just made of being hard, I think it's hard because it's change and change we know is hard. And mm. so we go from having our set routine or having our set foods that we like to eat we know exactly where it is in the store we go right there we get it we leave it's clean it's efficient and we got it down but now we're thinking okay those foods that i'm getting constantly aren't aren't working for me they aren't they aren't allowing me to achieve the health that i wanted to achieve and so now i have to make a change and so that can, that's a scary thing for a lot of people and it's a hard thing not not, not necessarily a scary thing but it's a very hard thing for people to wrap their mind around even if it's so it can be so simple but just simply changing is something that's hard for people to do and so um that's the thing that's going to get you over the hump is just that initial change because a lot of the routines around it are going to be the same because you can Mm. cook a lot of the same things um or if you have to cook different things that change part is going to be finding new recipes or, or, you know, tinkering with those things. But at, um, at any rate, the change part is the hardest. And so taking those steps to make that change. Um, so in regards to finding beef, um, or finding good quality meats, it's about figuring out where you have to find those. Cause then once you find those, it's very similar to how you, um, got the got your foods before it's just going to be a little bit different you may have to go to a different store or a different section in that store 
or you may have to do a little bit more digging to find a good source of meat um, that can be consistent. So whether that's um, finding a butcher that has a good source of meat or finding a farmer or rancher that has good quality meats that then you can take to a butcher or um, finding even like an online service that will deliver um, food. There's plenty of those flying around now. Um, I mean, you can search on Google um, grass-fed beef or grass-fed um, uh, meats on online. And there's probably at least 10 different sites that will deliver um, those foods to you. Um, so it comes down to deciding to make that change and then figuring out how you're going to make that change and then making that change um, and then implementing that routine into your life. Because once you get that change made and you figure out how to implement that routine into your life, um, those different habits, those good habits become habits. And so mm -hmm. um, yeah, it makes it much easier to then stay consistent. Yeah. And so it's interesting that you're framing it and just like making, accepting that the hardest part is just the change aspect. And once you do that, it kind of flows after that. It's an interesting perspective because what I struggled with this, it wasn't necessarily about the change because I was uh, maybe just because I'm kind of flexible in some things. But for me, I just don't want to pay the money. You know, yeah. I remember uh, I've had to work with uh, gut issues, which I've done a really good job at, at healing now at this point. But I remember when I realized how wrecked my gut was um, and we kind of identified together that my meats that I were eating was definitely not um, helping that scenario. I used to get the 70%, uh, 70% <laughs> like uh, protein, 30% fat beef that was in a roll, right? That was like a five pound, like this thing was a massive cylinder. <laughs> and uh, it was, uh, but it was so cheap though, right? And I was like, okay, I'm meal prepping. I'm supposed to be meal prepping. Um, you know, I'm working hard. I'm doing all these things. I'm buying this beef. I'm going to cook all this. And I would stay up late. I would wake up early. I do all this meal prep. But I was using really low quality meat. And I remember at one point, I realized, <laughs> I didn't make the change at this point, but I realized how it was affecting me was because I cut off part of that cylinder and I start squeezing the meat out as if, and so it's a cylinder and I'm squeezing around it almost as if it's smooth muscle cells around your intestines, yep. food throughout your intestines. And I was, I was struggling to squish this meat out of the cylinder in the pan. And I was like, this is literally what my gut does. Ow. <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, it was like this kind of epiphany of like, okay, this, yeah, this might not be the best. Uh, both quality and the percent of fat and, that's in there to the protein that's in there, you know, all these other things. And, but then it was still this sucking it up and, and wanting to get, get maybe even, you know, it might be harder to go from 70%, 70, 30% beef to like 95%, 5% and super grass fed. So I tried that. I was like, definitely can't do that with my budget at that time. But then I did like, 80, 85%. I was able to find a little higher quality, which did help. Mm -hmm. Right. And there has to be a, a certain point that makes you realize that yes, it's more expensive sometimes. And we can talk about this even a little bit more in detail too, mm -hmm. but it, uh, up front is expensive, but I know that my health's worth it. And then 
once that's because then it becomes a habit, I get used to that. Oh, I just spend this much on beef. Mm-hmm. I need to move my money around this way. Um, which I have lots of commentary already in my head about what that statement is. Cause I know maybe how, um, maybe even privilege that statement could say, well, if you come from somewhere like it's a really strict budget, you know, this and that, like I, I'm saying that with a lot of those acknowledgements already in my head, but once you already accept the habit and realize how it could be beneficial, it's easier than to make the change if that's what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying everybody needs to eat beef like that, but yeah, I'm telling the story. So. Yeah. Yeah. And in regards to the affordability of the food, um, I mean, you have to kind of ask yourself one is how, how is this going to be worth it? So, um, and you have to also break down your budget because, you know, like you said, some people are on a very strict budget. Um, but at the same time, what are some of the things that are in that budget that don't need to be in that budget? Um, you know, you hear stories from practitioners all the time, or even just different types of business owners, um, that are in different fields that are for things that are really important in life. And you take for granted the fact that, oh, I just spent $100 on Amazon for this thing that, you know, it's nice to have, but do I really need it? Do I really, um, does it really fulfill my life and and push it further? Um, Or can I use some of that money? Not Not necessarily all of it, but can I use some of that money to then put towards healthier food so that way I can live a higher quality life? Um, and so the worth it for me comes from the day-to-day worth it because obviously day-to-day, if you're eating healthier foods, you're going to be feeling better versus if I ate something like ate something crappy, I'm going to probably feel pretty crappy for that day and maybe a few days after that. Uh, but then at the same time, long-term wise, if I eat healthy consistently for a long period of time, my quality of life will go up and it will stay up um, for a lot longer too. So there's two aspects that I look at as far as why it's worth it for me to spend more on my food. And so like for the most part, my food budget is probably the biggest part of my budget just because I don't spend much on anything else anyways. Um, But (laughs) at the same time, um, food is very important to me and the quality of my food um, is very important to me too. Yeah, I love that you were bringing up, you know, you're going to feel different, you're going to think differently uh, once you start eating differently. Because uh, I was going about to do that same thing too. And so it's like, okay, you're making these changes, not just because it's the right thing to do, right? Uh, you're not just pushing a grocery store cart back into the aisle because it's the right thing to do. Um, even that that's I've heard is like the best litmus test of characters. Like, or do you push the grocery cart back or leave it, you know, whatever. Um, but you're not doing it for just the sake of good. Uh, that's part of it. Uh, but you're making choices and we're just obviously using beef as an example here. Uh, but you're making these choices because it is going to have returns on how you feel and how your body processes it. Well, you know, when you eat, meat that's overly processed that's not the right ratios um that could have even contamination from uh you know glyphosate and other things in that like you know whatever else could be contaminated in different ways when you're eating low quality foods um not to mention even like mcdonald's 
uh, it can, it's going to have higher inflammation status. It's going to do all these other things to your body. When you remove that and change it, not only are you removing something that your body then has to deal with and there's more of a harm, but then you can be giving nutrients to your body to mm-hmm. heal. Uh, and, and we operate, you know, you know, from a frame that your body can heal in the right environment. If you're given the right tools and nutrients are a big part of that tool, uh, it can do the things it needs to. And so eating the right foods, not only, yes, it can be hard because it's a change habit. It can be hard because it's a little more expensive. Uh, but you're doing these things then to feel differently, to improve things, to change things about your health. And then when you see things about your health start changing, then your mind can change too. You might find you have more energy. You might have more excitement for life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all these other things. If you're in pain, you might not be as in pain anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I remember uh, not just a few months ago, I had some dental work done. And as per custom of like getting your, a tooth removed or wisdom teeth removed, you're like, I'm going to eat ice cream. And so <laughs> even as a diabetic, I ate ice cream and I know Grady's shaking his head at me, but that's yep. what I did. And, uh, but then the, the pain was just so severe because a lot of other things. And you pointed out to me, you're like, well, do you think what you're eating is really helping your pain right now? And, and I was eating lots of ice cream because I thought that's, you know, what I can handle. I can't eat salad food. So I'm going to eat ice cream and applesauce and all these other things but instead of like protein shakes and smoothies that could have been healthier alternatives but i was putting things that my body was reacting more violently to and that wasn't helping my pain science that was going on within my body Mm -hmm. and so what you're eating is going to affect um so many things and so when you're making these decisions it's not just i ought to do this like from a philosophy ethical standpoint which you could argue for or against but it's also for the betterment of your life and that's both at this moment and circling back to the whole prevention, because even if you don't get that big of a difference right now, it's something that over time is going to give you more life throughout your years uh, than just eating, you know, things that aren't as nutrient dense for your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like how you said it, it can improve and most likely will improve your function, your energy levels, and if you have more energy, better function, a lot of times you can then start making more money, whether it's you're picking up another job or more responsibilities in your job, and you can start making more money to then pay for those added, added expenses that you're taking on. Um, but yeah, like improving function can not only impact, obviously, how you feel, um, but then your other parts of your life, your relationships, um, your work life. Um, all those things can then improve because your body is functioning much better. You're not, you're not in this hole. You're not in this rut that you're constantly fighting to get out of. Um, and therefore it can put you in a bad mood. It can um, affect your relationships, affect your work life. Um, but if your body's functioning a lot better, things tend to change um, and tend to change for the better. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to highlight something you said there that, we can, you and I might accept well, and might maybe people didn't even hear it that much, but almost as a counterpoint and, you know, a rebuttal to that is, you know, once you start feeling better, you can make more money and make more money than you can pay for those added expenses. And that can be such a debated statement, right? Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's situation is so individualized, like getting a new job is hard. You know, we're in a, because 
of our field that we're in, you know, the cap of how much, you know, income is, is variable, but some people it's whether they went to college or didn't go to college. It's like, this is it, you know, and they, their skill set, their resume, their CV is only of a certain um, caliber or not even caliber. That's the wrong word, but maybe uh, just a certain set of skills. It's not like they can just branch out and and make more money super easy. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's really hard to do. And that takes a long time. You know, this is what we're talking about here. It's not a instant, instant fix. What we're talking about here is changing of habits. Consistency is something that you always talk about, Greg, all the time. That's like, if you were to get a tattoo, which I know you never would, maybe it would be consistency across your chest. I don't know. Um, But, you know, doing things over time, you know, working on changing your CV, getting new skill sets, taking some extra classes, you know, budgeting so you have the money to take the classes. These are all things that are really hard and complex, take time. But if you're feeling your body right, you might have the energy to do those things, uh, right? And so it's not easy just to say, once I eat better, I'll have more energy, more energy, I can make more money, more money, I can pay for what I'm already doing. So that might be a very long time span. Mm-hmm. But you do it and you and you do the things that are right for you that can and will pay off in that way because it will come back to you. You're doing it knowing that this is improving my life. I might not see it right now. I might not see this health benefit now. I might not see my ability to make more money now. I might not see my ability to study better in school now. But I know I will if I continue on, right? And it's uh sometimes it's a leap of faith by yourself you know just you know making sure that it sometimes it's convincing yourself of that statement and sometimes you really do believe it but either way the action is still there of saying i know however you get there if i do this if i invest in myself and if i invest in my health it can come back and help me in so many different ways mm-hmm. and i just almost want to take time to acknowledge that it's hard. It's difficult. I don't think you are saying it's not, mm-hmm. but uh, it's, it's still possible. And that is part of your health equation and taking back control of your life and diabetes too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, there's, there's expenses, there's sacrifices um, that you may have to make. Like I know going through chiropractic school, I was on a very, very tight budget, um, but I still, still invested in the food that I was eating. Um, and even after graduation, when literally making barely anything, because, you know, I'm seeing like, I was seeing like maybe five patients a week, um, as, hmm. as I was getting going. And so, I mean, I wasn't making hardly any money, but yet I knew that it was worth investing in good quality food. Um, and if that meant I didn't get to enjoy much other things outside of my life, that was fine because I needed that health to then continue to try and build up my practice, build up my business, um, and still remain, you know, high functioning. Um, but then at the same time, um, you know, it, it is, it is hard. Um, being consistent, um, is hard, but to me, it's always been worth it, whether it's working out, um, whether it was, you know, sports or whatnot, um, or my health as far as eating wise or um, getting the right care. Consistency has always paid off for me. Um, and so that's why I think it's 
it, it has become easier and easier to stick with things because I've seen the results that I've seen with myself. And um, after seeing those results, it's, it's a lot easier to say no to those bad foods because it's like, I don't want to go back to how I was feeling. I love how I feel right now. So thanks, but no thanks. Um, I'll eat, I'll eat what I, what I uh, need to eat. Yeah. And it's, if you're, you know, we're talking almost in a very positive light and I almost try to be the counterbalance to what I naturally am, which is always positive. You can do it. type <laughs> of thing. So try to take a step back to, to give the reality of, of the situations too is, and you know, if this is something that you're aware of, that you know of, uh, that you've tried and maybe not succeeded, like, okay, I do want to invest. And then you make some investments in, in your health and then you fall back into habits and then you feel like, well, I just spent a bunch of money and didn't even like you utilize a bunch of it. Like I'm not doing that again. Or you feel bad about all these other things like, or you might feel bad that you just have spent so much time not making these decisions. Right. And that's okay. You know, I've said this on, on the podcast before. It's one of my mantras that I live by is, you know, the best time to plant a tree is today, but the second best or first the best time to plant a tree is yesterday but the second best time is today, right? So you might be looking back and saying, I should have done this. I could have, would have, should have done this. And that is almost stopping you from trying to invest again and try again and totally get that. But today is the still the second best time. There's no other, like, this is still the best time you could in this possible situation to make those mm -hmm. decisions. Yep. And that's totally okay. So um and there's there's also free things that you can do mm -hmm. that that's going to help improve your health too so um just getting proper sleep is, an, is a big thing to help boost your health um stop um stop eating the extra junk food that you don't necessarily need it's not part of your meals um that you're just snacking on um cut that out um also, if you have any drug use, whether that's tobacco or um, alcohol or something like that, that's adverse to your health. Um, that's a pretty big ex expense and that can save you a lot of money. So then you can use that money to then invest in your health to improve it. Um, so cutting out ha um, bad habits can also be really helpful for that. Um, and doing things to boost your health, like exercise. You don't necessarily need a gym membership or a personal trainer for that. Some of the, sometimes those things are nice, but at the same time, if you can't afford those things, doesn't mean you can't get exercise. You know, mm -hmm. nature nature's free. Um, you can go out, walk, run, um, do body weight exercises, and and get the same or very similar um, improvements in health just by just by doing exercise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that you start bringing that up right now too, because uh, there's so many things you can do uh, that are free, that are so simple. And these changes are a dichotomy of both being super simple. It's easy to not over, it's easy to overcomplicate it and just be like, mm -hmm. and that's going to go so far. At the same time, life is very complex. And mm -hmm. so if you don't acknowledge the complexity of what you have going on, uh, you know, then you know, you're going to fail too. You need to acknowledge both those things and find a balance in between. You know, you can talk, you know, if I had a patient or, or a client and they were just a single, 
male, single, female, you know, no other attachments. That's a one situation compared to, all right, well, now you're married. You got a family, you got kids. Maybe you're not buying the groceries, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe you're working a lot uh, so that your spouse can uh, do certain things around the household and you take turns, but then it doesn't leave you with a lot of time. Like that's the complexity of it. Mm-hmm. And that is something to acknowledge. But then there's not a reason then to be able to say, okay, let's figure out the easiest thing you can do. Mm-hmm. And creating that first step, that change that you brought up in the very beginning is the hardest thing at all. Like it literally costs nothing to stop buying alcohol if, you, if you're buying beers, you know? Yeah. And that obviously has a net return real fast. So then mm-hmm. your budget to spend on other things. But as an example, and then if that's, if you're not even buying the groceries, you can say, hey, like, I'm really trying to make a, you know, change my life. Please, like, don't buy this. You know, you can have those conversations and, or maybe it's time. Time is your big obstacle, right? And then, you know, whether it's you take five minutes and you walk, you're, so maybe the first thing is not sitting as much and you start walking more. Maybe it's uh, you even jump rope. And, you know, every 50 minutes, you jump rope for five minutes or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you do a lot of studying or do a lot of desk work or something like that, like, you know, there's complexities to our lives, but making the first step and then, and that change step is the hardest, but then building the momentum starts to come a little easier and easier after that. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of free resources, like you said, to do so. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, at the same time, there's things that you can do that might be a little expensive that you think you need. Right. So uh, we'll, we'll relate it all back to, you know, the diabetes part here in a second too. But uh, you know, if you're seeing a practitioner um, you know, that takes money. Right. And whether that's uh, you know, your endocrinologist, whether maybe that's a uh, functional medicine doctor, maybe that's a yoga instructor. I was going to say studio artist, but that didn't sound right in my head. So I guess instructor, uh, you know, uh, some, whether it be some kind of practitioner or you're trying to buy supplements in addition to uh, your diet that you're doing, or you're doing more blood work or you're investing in other things. These things are all expensive, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not fair. <laughs> it's not fair that it's hard to get some of these things. It really isn't. Um, but it doesn't mean that it's not worth it or possible to find a way, right? Uh, but just because it's expensive doesn't mean that it's not worth doing or doesn't mean that's not even capable of you doing, but it's, it's those type of things. If you feel are worth it are worth doing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And, and that can be a hard thing to hear, especially if the thing you're looking at, like say, say blood work or some sort of testing, because those things can be really, really expensive. Um, and so it can be hard to justify in your mind okay, if I'm getting this blood work, what am I going to get in return? Um, And so that can be a really hard thing, especially if you've never done blood work before or the extent of the blood work that you're going to be getting. You've never done that before, so you don't really know, you know, what am I actually going to be getting out of this? And so, you know, obviously talking with your doctor to see, you know, get his opinion on or his or her opinion on what are we going to be seeing from this and how is this going to be impacting what we're going to be doing? Um, because once you can conceptualize, okay, I'm getting this test done because I'm having, you know, this symptom or these, these issues going on. 
And so this information can really help identify what specifically I need to do to then boost my health or improve my function um, or improve my health overall. And um, that can be really important because um, in this day and age, it's just, it's just really hard to nail down exactly what each person needs to do um, because there's just so much um, in our environment right now, whether it's stress, different types of stresses, you know, emotional stress is obviously a big one. Um, but then you have chemical stressors, whether that's physiologic chemical stressors or chemical stressors from your environment, whether it's pollution in the air, water, um, or on your skin, that can play a big role in things. And so um, getting these tests done can be really helpful to, to really nail down what is your body having trouble with and then how to then support it. Um, but that's just one example because um, um, it's really hard, like I said, to justify some things, um, especially if you've never done them before, never been exposed to them before. Like if you've never had a personal trainer before, but you're like, well, I haven't done anything for the last 10 years by my own or by myself. So I need somebody to kick my butt in gear. Um, so getting a personal trainer can be kind of scary because like, well, am I really going to be getting anything out of them? Or is this something I can do on my own? Yes, you could probably do it on your own, but are you going to do it on your own? Have you been doing no. it on your own? Um, There's a reason why you haven't done it on your own. Exactly. Yep. Um, so, so understanding where you're at, where you want to go, and then how those different therapies or those different forms of testing are going to get you there is then going to help you conceptualize and help you plan for what you want to do and how you want to um, budget for those things too. Mm -hmm. And then there could be some hesitancy too of not just, oh, you've never done blood work before, never done blood work to this extent, but maybe you have done this. <laughs> and, and, and it can be so frustrating to be already trying to make these changes in your life. And then you get the blood work, you get the tests, and they just say, oh, you're good. Yeah. Well, I don't feel good. What do you mean I'm good? I'm not good. Well, no, there's nothing on your blood work, so I don't know what to tell you. Next. Like, you know, that's so frustrating, demoralizing, anger-filling, um, and almost like creates a sense of lo being lost uh, when something happens, because that happens all the time. It does. Right? Yeah. Uh, especially on something like blood work um, or maybe even like some other tests like, uh, you know, fecal tests, you know, or whatever else, like some practitioners don't know how to read a lot of this stuff. It means, mm -hmm. or they forget, you know, and they're like, Oh, you're not, nothing's in or out of your range. So you're good. But like, and if you're falling under that camp and you have used that blood work before, I encourage you then to just find a way to get a different opinion, a second opinion. Uh, not because you don't believe that doctor, but it's literally you have, there's a reason why you got it in the first place and you didn't get any answers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You need, so, you need to find somebody who is as invested in your health as you are. Like mm -hmm. if you're seeking answers, you need to find somebody that's wanting to seek those answers with you. Mm -hmm. um, because if somebody looks at blood work and says, Oh, you look, you look fine. Everything looks fine. We're good then and you're still not feeling good and that's where they want to stop then your goals and their goals aren't the same so you need to find somebody that has the same goals as you mm -hmm. and this kind of then starts to tiptoe in the conversation of individualized care right uh 
because that's the strength of finding a practitioner that, uh, or endocrinologist, you know, let's bring it back to diabetes, an endocrinologist that's really invested in you. Um, maybe that, that's a bad example, but I'll work with it. <laughs> finding a practitioner that's so invested in you as you are in trying to find answers is, is beneficial, right? And uh, I'm losing my train of thought. So you, you say something right now, Ray, while I reflect <laughs> my thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, whether it's an endocrinologist or, I mean, a, a chiropractor or um, a naturopath or a DO what, or your you know, family practice physician, um, finding the people and finding the help that you need, or whether it's a personal trainer, finding somebody that's going to be invested in you just as much as you want to invest in yourself um, and try and seek out those goals that you're wanting to achieve. Um, because if you have, you know, part of it is the knowledge base that the person has, but at the same time, their motivation and their, their passion for what they're doing and what they're trying to do for you. Um, finding those people that are gonna, you know, tear down walls for you, break down walls for you, or do everything in their power, trying to get you to where you want to get, um, is the people that you want to go to. And so, um, you don't, you don't necessarily have to go to a certain physician. You can fire your doctor. You don't have to go to um, any one you know, physician. Find somebody that's going to take care of you the way you want to be taken care of. Um, so if the person you're going to right now isn't doing that, then find somebody else. Um, if they are, then great. You know, stay with them and, and try and, and get to where you want to get. Right. And this is where I was kind of going with that is, you know, firing, you know, firing the doc and, and that's not serving you, but getting the doc that is, uh, that takes more time. And mm -hmm. this idea of individualized care is clearly the best is, you know, what I mean by individualized care is the care that you're getting, the doctor that is helping you is so focused on you. Like you were just describing Grady that sometimes it might take more time and sometimes it can be really in depth. Right. And then they really rely on co-management and there and creates this team of people. And that's by far, you know, the studies have shown how that is the best outcomes, but that takes more time and something that takes more time like that, especially in our healthcare system or a lot of healthcare systems is going to take more money. Mm -hmm. Right. And so then this question of, okay, well, if that's the best outcomes takes more time, takes more money like that's great but can everyone afford it like the elephant in the room too is functional medicine can be really dang expensive mm -hmm. and sometimes practitioners abuse that and you know literally just think of it as a cash cow then and some people get into it for the wrong reasons for sure uh like i remember one of the first seminars that i joined you with there was a guy who was saying that he made his own supplement company and then he created this like powder that like had all this crap in it. And I'm just like, why would it, like he was proud of how much it was and how much he was selling it for. I'm like, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me whatsoever. And, uh, and so you need to be careful with those types of things, but it's the, like, how can something be feasible and how can we justify um, both being involved in it as a patient and maybe then getting involved in it as a practitioner, something that has such a high barrier and cost of entry, both for time and money, if that's, a lot of people 
I can't, I'm not even sure if it's majority or, or close or what percentage it is, but a large amount of people might not even be able to access that type of care. You know, how can we justify those, that logic? So, and some might say you can't, but then some might say it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough situation because like you said, it takes time and it takes time. And the fact that the process of getting you from where you are to where you want to get that takes a lot of time, takes weeks, months, years to get there. Um, but at the same time, it takes time in each appointment too. A lot of times with individualized healthcare, you're going to be spending more time with the doctor. And so with that more time, they typically have to charge more because obviously they're not seeing tons and tons of patients every day. So they're not making money off of the numbers they have, but they do still have to make that money. Um, and so they have typically will have to charge more. And so along those lines, there are varying amounts of, uh, or varying levels of different physicians. So, um, but how, how screwed up is that man, that, you know, that that's part of what has gotten our healthcare system the way it is Yeah, and, oh, and yeah. the health insurance, the way it is like a doctor in a hospital, is trying to beat you to what you're trying to say, allowing you to spend some amount of time with you, right? Because they have to hear you, diagnose you, give a recommendation for treatment right away, and then you know give you a prescription, and then they're on to the next. And then they might even have a quota for certain prescription types or this and that that they're supposed to give out per month or whatever. And how screwed up is it? And I'm not saying that I'm free of that or anyone's free of that, but just taking the hospital system as an example, uh, how screw up is it that you have to choose lower care to give as a physician or to be receiving as a patient uh, lower care faster that might seem more economical versus uh, something that's more expensive that's better for you? Like mm-hmm. how messed that up is when we're talking about our lives, when we're talking about our blood sugar, when we're talking about our ability to use our hands and see our kids and see our loved ones and play and enjoy life like how messed up is it that those are the decisions that people have to make in for whether it be from a management perspective of a hospital or management of a clinic or you as going to a specific hospital or specific doctor like that's so messed up mm-hmm. you shouldn't have to choose those things yeah exactly but it's yeah. how people live you know yeah and that that turnover rate i mean that's why most um most um, functional medicine practitioners or people in that sort of field don't take insurance because they can't get compensated for the amount of time that they're going to spend with each patient um, because those those compensations from the insurance companies are basically defined off of those hospital systems to where you know a five minute visit is going to be x amount of dollars um, so that or a visit in general is going to be x amount of dollars and so they want to crank as much people or get through as many patients as possible. So spending five, seven, 10 minutes with the patient is the max they want to spend with somebody because they're, you know, they're limited by the amount of the amount of money they're going to make in each appointment. So they have to then crank out as many as possible. Whereas um, typically in the functional medicine field, um, that's why they go cash is because they're not going to get compensated for the amount of time they're going to spend with somebody. And therefore, um, they have to charge then for the amount of time um, that they are spending with people. Um, 
So it's, it's a tough situation. And it, like you said, it's, it's not right. Um, it, but it's the world we live in right now. Cause then it becomes a, almost then from the doctor perspective, a, the skill set of how good are you then of giving good quality care in a short amount of time. Cause it's not to say that you can't, it's not to say that's impossible, mm-hmm. but it's, it's pretty hard to do. Yeah. Right. And so what defines good quality care and all these other co- types of conversations are, are valid to have. Um, but it's not to say it's impossible. I mean, I've definitely been like, wow, you know, he listened to me well. I didn't feel rushed uh, or she uh, didn't feel rushed. Uh, we talked what we needed to talk about. Like it was just boom. Like it was actually efficient. It was beneficial what you needed. Like mm-hmm. it's not to say that's not possible um, to do the flip side to make that actually work. But it's just crazy that you need a, we live in a world where you do need to make those decisions, but that's almost like then this other side of me also thinks then too, okay, it's not fair, right? It's not fair that you have those things because you can then use that dichotomy and example in a whole lot of things. You can talk about journalism, you know, in that way you can talk about how, you know, news is portrayed, how so many other things are uh, this, you know, cost benefit ratio of time, whatever. Uh, There's so many things that aren't fair, right? But then part of me then says, no one said it was supposed to be fair, you know, and that's just kind of the way it is. Mm-hmm. And then it's up to us to figure out us as in anyone listening, us as me, us as you, like it's up to one to figure out how can I make this work? I know I can make this work. What's the plan? Mm-hmm. And then do it. And it's, it's possible to do so because it's, just because something isn't fair doesn't mean it's an obstacle that you can't find the strength, gain the skills, gain the intelligence to overcome. Uh, and I'm saying that from a very place of loving positivity uh, because that's truly how I feel. I feel like anybody with the right team can figure out what you need to do to overcome those types of obstacles, including, uh, I don't know why I'm getting really off the far rant of, <laughs> of individualized uh, medicine, but, uh, you know, you can get the skills you need to overcome those obstacles. And just because life isn't fair, the situation isn't fair, doesn't mean you can't thrive in it. Doesn't mean that you can bring others to thrive with you on those things. Doesn't mean that you have to cut corners, do all those other things. You can still live the life healthy, you know, that you want in a way that's right and overcome those obstacles. Yeah, it comes back kind of, I mean, that point kind of comes back to taking responsibility, um, taking responsibility for your health, for your actions, um, mm-hmm. and for ultimately your well-being. Um, and so figuring out a plan that's going to work for you. So if you can't afford all these fancy doctors or all these um, different things that are seem really expensive or outside your budget, then you, you just have to get a little bit more creative. You have to work a little bit harder. Um, because ultimately that's, that's what is going to make up for that lack of finances or whatever, um, is educating yourself, developing skills. That's going to improve your health. And because there's so, there's so many resources out there, especially right now. I mean, the internet, you can find information on anything. Um, and it's just there for your taking. So if you can, um, research and research and research and research and then you use that research to develop your skills um your habits to improve your health um then you're taking your health into your own hands and 
um, you know, I'm not advocating that you do anything, obviously, um, outside your limits and putting yourself in harm's way. But at the same time, you know, for the most part, people know, you know, whether it's instinctually or they know, you know, what's going to be healthy for them, um, at least in a general sense. And so we can, we as people, for the most part, can make better decisions than what we're making today if we're looking at it from, all right, I need to get better. You know, we, you get to a certain point, you may need help in certain areas, whether from a practitioner or somebody else to then tweak it, to make, you know, keep building your health and getting to that optimal level. But for the most part, going from a state of deficiency to a state of, of living life at a pretty good level, um, most people can make those good decisions. It's just a matter of making those decisions and taking responsibility for the fact that you can make those decisions. And when we say take responsibility for it, you get to take responsibility for the good things and the bad things. Um, you get to take responsibility for the fact that you are now in the place that you are, whether you're in a great place or whether in your, you're in a not so great place. And so that should be, at least to me, when somebody says, would say that to me, that would give me a lot of strength, a lot of inspiration to say, yes, I do have control and I'm going to take control and get my body to where I want to get it. Um, I know some people may hear that and say, and look at that in a more negative light. But to me, I like taking control. I like the fact that I do have control over my life, over my health. And um, that's something that inspires me. Mm -hmm. And this was a video that Will Smith put out a few years ago. Uh, once he kind of got on the, the video game, not video game, but like video comma game uh, of Facebook, Instagram, all those social media. Uh, you know, he was talking about being hurt and your situation, uh, kind of more of an emotional perspective uh, of this, but it applies to, because, you know, your health is emotional. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's emotional. You're investing, whether you have or haven't, that's emotional to you, but uh, as well as physical. But anyways, he, there's a video of Will Smith talking about, you know, it might not be your fault about something that's happened to you. It might not be your fault that your heart was broken. It might not be your fault that you were abused. You know, it might not be your fault of why you are in your place, but it's for sure. Well, he says your damn sure responsibility to fix it. And it sucks. It sucks that that's the way it is, but because it's not, because you didn't put yourself in that position, but because it's your responsibility and you can take that control that should be empowering for you. Cause then you can overcome those things and then you can help others and taking responsibility doesn't mean you're a lone wolf. You know, very mm -hmm. few people, you know, can do anything by themselves. You know, if you want to go somewhere fast, you might want to go alone, but if you want to go far, you go together, you know? And so taking responsibility for your health and your life doesn't mean you're figuring it all out, you know, whether it be listening to this and many other podcasts, whether it be reaching out to others, whether it be uh, calling other health practitioners, whether it be asking a friend that you know is already kind of along this health journey, you know, it takes a tribe to get to a lot of places and, and your individual health, it doesn't need to be necessarily about your individual health, but you could be interested in what somebody else is doing and take that information and use that knowledge to help boost you up. Or you could just straight up ask, Hey, Grady. And this is essentially what I did to you. <laughs> like, I was like, Grady, you are way, way more dialed in 
diabetes than, than mine. What are you doing? How are you doing it? And there's no shame in, in, in asking those questions and asking for help, both as uh, male or female. Uh, you know, and I bring that up because maybe males are, are a little more hesitant to ask for help, mm-hmm. but anybody could be hesitant to ask for help, but taking responsibility doesn't have to mean doing it alone, but your situation doesn't mean that you can't come out of it because you do have the responsibility to, to overcome that. And it is possible to do that. And this all ties back into, you know, doing what's right for you. Yep. Totally agree. Hmm. So, uh, you know, let's almost then use, a, we, we were talking very generally and almost very motivationally in a lot of these ways, but uh, with diabetes in particular, you know, let's just kind of highlight some, some ways in particular that it's not fair <laughs> and uh, it's, it's definitely not fun. Some of these things, particularly in the United States, you know, about insurance, whether it be high, low deductibles, you don't have insurance, you know, uh, I, I don't know about you, but I got a lot of questions, people asking me, uh, Grady, before the very first uh, presidential debate, you know, a few weeks ago, um, they're like, didn't, you know, President Trump sign something about insulin, uh, which he did, right? Uh, but there's a lot of what he signed at that point uh, was for Medicare, and it was for capping co-payments, which have nothing to do about the actual industry of insulin. Mm-hmm. and the list prices of insulin and not to mention most medicare patients that are diabetic aren't insulin dependent anyways yeah right now i can't speak for the pharmacology and farm you know just uh farm industry for how other companies model their pricing but i know like in chiropractic for example a lot of insurances model how they're going to compensate for chiropractic based off medicare Mm-hmm. And so I'm not sure if that's true with other drugs like insulin and things like that. So maybe it's a step in the right direction. If that's the case, I really don't know. Uh, but it's not fair that, you know, we don't as a type one or type two, that if you need insulin, that it's so damn expensive and it's completely dependent on your insurance, which can be so variable for so many situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Along along those lines, I want to throw this stat at you. Uh, okay. I, I looked this up um, before we came on. Um, so people with all types of diabetes, so they didn't differentiate between type one, type two, um, but all types of diabetes spend on average um, sixteen thousand dollars per year on medical expenses. So that's basically direct cost. And and then in two thousand seventeen. Wow. The inability to work because of diabetes-related, you know, disabilities or um, different things that pop up um, costs overall thirty-seven point five billion dollars um, in this country. Holy cow! Yeah, due to whether that was absenteeism or um, not being able to work or sick days or whatnot. Um, but yeah, so diabetes is expensive, and like you said, with insulin. Um, we hear news all the time, these little snippets of, oh, insulin costs and how they might be going down, but it hasn't panned out yet. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, and we as diabetics, I think we're still fighting pretty hard. There's a lot of, um, there's a couple different movements that are really fighting for it um, to really come down. Um, but ultimately, yeah, when people sent me that, 
the different articles that were pertaining to Trump signing that. Um, I'm like, yeah, that's cool, but eh, I don't see it really changing much. Um, it's mm. nice to nice to see, at least for some people, it's going to be cheaper. Um, but for the most part, it's not. At least at this point, it's not going to affect um, a lot of us, unfortunately. Yeah, and and there's no way if the average diabetic spends sixteen thousand a year. First of all, that's just that number is massive. Yeah. Right. So if you're spending sixteen thousand, that's if you have an income that's after income tax, right? That's after tax has been taken out. So you're spending $16,000 a year somehow in some way uh, for various things, not just insulin, because uh, obviously that's the most expensive and people talk about it, mm-hmm. uh, about test strips, you know, your meter, uh, you know, whether it be CGMs, whether it be Band-Aids, because you're bleeding too much mm-hmm. because you hit a capillary or something like that there was one time i thought i was gonna like bleed out because i hit too many <laughs> capillaries there was so much blood everywhere yeah. you know things that only like diabetics would, would really understand or you're you know type two maybe that is referencing to you know your metformin your other um you know diuretics things like that your other prescription drugs maybe mm-hmm. then that means um sleep aids then too you know who knows what that all means especially once you start getting into uh, polypharmacy type things. Um, but $16,000. Uh, I wish I knew what the average uh, salary was in America at the top of my head, but I figure it would probably be that's a pretty not, big chunk of it. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, that's, that's crazy. And then to think how much did that cost on the back end with that other end of the statistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, where was that from? Who reported that statistic? That was the American Diabetes Association. Really? Okay. Wow. So, I mean, I have no reason to, to question that stat from them. Some might, but I don't. Uh, that's, that's wild. Um, and maybe that's somehow in time, you know, like you said, taking time off work. You know, I'm, I've been so exhausted. I was telling you before, you know, while we were catching up this past week, I literally spent probably close to six hours on the phone. And I've kind of ranted about how much time I've already spent on the phone with insurance companies. And but it was literally this one mail order pharmacy that just kept getting things wrong because of processing uh, my order. And it, I was on hold for forever. And I was like, I lady, like I, I got my own patients. Like, I don't know what I can't like, you need a thing. I also had a drug tester once. I was like, all right, I'm going to put you on hold for like 10 minutes. You called me and put me on hold. I'm putting you on hold for 10 minutes. Don't you dare That's go awesome. anywhere. Yeah. And then I pushed mute and I did my thing and I came back. <laughs> but like maybe time is part of that statistic too. You know? It's, yeah. Uh, it's crazy how much a diabetic needs to spend on all that. And, and again, it's, it's, it's not fair mental energy. There's so much time. Like if you are not, or if you are, or aren't, we, we both know. And if you're type one, you know, if you're not type one, you might not know, or if this happens in type two, uh, you can be doing a lot of right things, but sometimes you can have a mess up, whether it be, um, you get sick, whether it be influenza, maybe it's COVID who knows, like maybe you get sick. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you've been doing all the right things, but now your blood sugar and your internal environment is way different. You don't have any energy. Uh, And you, because you don't have that mental energy, you can't do the things you need to. I don't know how many times in my life that I've gone home tired or I'm just tired from working really, really hard. And then my pump is buzzing and talking to me at night. I'm literally just laying on my bed and I say, screw it. I'll take the high blood sugar. 
And, you know, sometimes I get the strength to not say that, but it's hard. At least mm-hmm. I have a hard time with it sometimes when I'm really exhausted and the pumps like yell at me and I might know it's more beneficial to do this, but I literally don't have the energy to do some of the things I need to do. And then that further continues to impact um, your mental energy because then your blood sugar is high or your blood sugar is low or whatever else, you know, mm-hmm. it's a rapid, rapid cycle um, that not, none of us ask for. Uh, you know, sometimes it's none of our faults. Sometimes uh, there is some personal responsibility of how you got there. You know, maybe if it's more of a type two situation, uh, doesn't mean that you can't dig yourself out. But regardless, the situation you're in is the situation you're in. You know, at some point, you can't look at the blame game of yourself and just say, how do I get out of this situation? How do I improve? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that mental energy, man, it sucks, sucks, gets sucked out of you. You've oh, had yeah. a couple of crazy low blood sugar stories where you've had like no energy, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was just thinking about when you were talking about that with your highs. I'm like, I don't necessarily get that with highs because the highs really bother me. They're like my biggest pet peeve. So like mm-hmm. I will, I will correct a high no matter what situation. Um, but uh, with lows, like if it's especially like if it's in the morning, I'll uh, and it's like buzzing at me. I'm like I am sleeping right now. Don't bother me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if it's a low, I don't feel too low. So like I, it's like for the most part, I wake up when I'm low. My body will wake me up, and I know that. I know that because it's happened, you know, over my lifetime, many, many times. Mm-hmm. And so I'm very comfortable with the fact that when my body wakes me up, that's, wh- that's when I know I need something. And so, you know, I'm not saying other people need to do this, but um, when my pump is buzzing at me in the morning, and I know it's because of a low and I really don't feel that bad. And I really want to sleep. Mm-hmm. I will oftentimes sleep and just ignore it like i sometimes will put it because i have it on the vibrating setting but obviously if it vibrates long enough it'll start beeping at you so i'll like stuff it under a bunch of pillows so i can't (laughs) hear it (laughs) um so yeah i definitely have those situations where i'm just like i'm exhausted i don't want to deal with it and uh or like i like i'll get home from work or get home from doing something and i'm just like dead tired and my if my blood sugar's getting low or is a little bit off then i'm like all right i just need i need a second i need, need a second to just recover and just rest and i'll deal with it when i'm when i'm ready mm-hmm. um so yeah it's it's definitely tough in those it's tough in those tough situations um but i mean that's why that's why it's important to be consistent because the more consistent you are the easier it is to then be consistent. Um, and so, uh, like I, I alluded to before, consistency has always been my friend. And so I try not to neglect my friend, um, even though sometimes I really want to. Mm. <laughs> try not to neglect the friends. Funny. Uh, yeah, it's, that's why the tattoo, the common diabetic tattoo of all the symbols that are that symbolizes i am greater than my highs and lows uh is so empowering right because our blood sugar can do one thing no matter what kind of diabetic you are it can be going wild your mental energy can be going wild and you could be spending a lot of consistent energy doing you know making sure you don't get in those situations but your value as a person as a being on this earth isn't attached to what's happening to your diabetes um, and so there's this detachment of 
realizing you are greater than the struggles of your diabetes, but then coming back in and taking the responsibility to make, say, okay, next time, let's do it again. Let's try it again mm-hmm. and again and again. And, and you, there's always another opportunity because it's not going to go away of, of getting better, making the better decisions and making a little more consistent decisions and maybe actually addressing the low blood sugars or addressing the high blood sugars, you know, whatever it might be. And if you don't, there's no shame in it, but to get to where you want to be, the improvement there, it's a dichotomy of accepting where you are, accepting who you are as a person and your value and how it's not related to the struggles, but then realizing the struggles you have and then you can overcome it. And that makes you even greater version of yourself. And therefore you can accomplish so many things. I mean, I would not be the man I am today if I wasn't diabetic because of all the lessons I've had of consistency, overcoming mm-hmm. trials, riding through some of the storms and the shit storms that happened with diabetes to get mm-hmm. to the other side uh, and then learning from it and trying to adapt and change and dance with my diabetes, you know, almost in a way, you know, I would never have learned those things if I wasn't or how to apply those to all other aspects of my life. If, I was never trying to learn how to work with my diabetes, improve my diabetes. Um, and then if I never took responsibility for, for my diabetes in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, no matter what, you are always greater than your highs and lows. You know, you are not attached to, to the failures of the diabetes and the failures of the healthcare system that maybe have put us here. Uh, but, you know, it is then up to us to make it great because that's why we're, we only get one shot anyway, so might as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, make the best of it. Mm. but uh we're getting close to now we know that our past couple podcasts have been a little bit longer so uh let's kind of end it with uh we've been doing first or beta cells but this was almost like a big rant uh, about first beta cells in a way <laughs> yeah because uh, i think i already talked about the six hours thing <laughs> i've already yeah. dropped that in there <laughs> you know i've already dropped a bunch of things uh that have been burst in my beta cells uh so we haven't planned this uh grady but maybe let's do uh you know how did you maybe thrive with your diabetes or how'd you overcome it? You know, like how'd you, um, we, we said we didn't want to do feel free from diabetes. What was the alternative? What was the, Oh, a diabetic win. Diabetic win. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, this is our live conversations of us planning the podcast. Folks. Yes. <laughs> uh, diabetic. What's a diabetic win that you've had recently? They're great. Uh, so it was actually today. Um, Ooh, I, well, I guess it would probably be in the last 24 to 48 hours. Um, so with eating, so I've been transitioning into even lower carb than I was before. And what? so, yeah. <laughs> and so I, um, so playing with that a little bit more, eating more fats and more proteins, it's been harder because obviously it's changed. So it's harder to control my blood sugars because it's different than what I was doing before. So I've been trying to play with what I need to do as far as controlling it. And so I've been running high quite a bit the last week or two. And, um, but in the last 48 hours or so I changed. So so I tried to manage it by just bolusing more and it wasn't really working out too well because the way, obviously we've talked about before with fats and proteins, you're going to have, you know, maybe a little bit of a spike, or at least for me, a little bit of a spike right away. But then the majority of it for me is in, you know, several hours later. And so it was just really hard to coordinate that 
for me um, consistently over the day. And it also, it seemed fairly inconsistent. So I was having trouble with it. Um, so then I just ended up, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to change my basal rate. I'm going to up it, you know, each, each of the different segments um, over the day. And so far it's been working pretty darn good. Um, I've nice. been staying like super level. I don't really don't take much insulin as far as bolusing for the meals. I just have it at that higher basal rate and it, man, it just like has been super flat. It's been, it's been pretty, pretty nice. Wow. Well, that is a huge one, especially since you've been struggling for like a week or two and I can feel like forever. Oh yeah, uh, it de know, definitely when... did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right on, man. That's great. Uh, uh, yeah, I think for me, it's almost like an opposite. Like you're like a tinkering win, right? And, uh, I tinker so much and we obviously advocate for tinkering so much, mm. but, uh, almost in line with, uh, some themes of this podcast, uh, was letting go of control of my diabetes. And I consider it a win that on Friday I ended up uh, getting like a half day. I was only at work for like the first half of the morning, uh, which, you know, uh, this is not normal for me, but it was a gorgeous fall day. Like leaves are changing colors, you know, this time around you know, in the Midwest. And, and, um, it was like 70 degrees. It was like perfect temperature. And I went for this run and the run itself kicked my ass, but I was so in love with the run and I was in so in the moment and just discovering the areas around me. I legit did not check my pump once, did not mess with my basal rate once. Didn't look at my blood sugar once, uh, which obviously is not a good long-term strategy. Yeah. Uh, but for me, if it's somebody who uh, strives for control and sometimes one would might say it's obsessive in some situations and ways, uh, for me, I consider it a win because I was just purely in that moment. And so it was more of like a life win than a diabetic win, but mm -hmm. one and the same. And that I, I ran and I was able to uh, run free and without that being a burden mm -hmm. and that yeah, weighed down yeah i bet that was pretty freeing because i know just by looking at some of your posts and some of the things that you send me about like how much you actually tinker not only before you run but during your run i oh, know yeah. you tinker <laughs> a ton with your basal oh, yeah. rates and, and stuff like that so mm -hmm. i can't imagine how like freeing that must feel just to just run mm -hmm. and i had a blow so like I was low for a while and I knew it was like, okay, like I'll come back up. It won't be that big of a deal. But like, I literally sat there and I was like, oh, I'm low. I was like, oh, right. I'm like, oh. <laughs> totally forgot for those four miles. Yeah. Uh, you know, so yeah, it was, I do do a lot of tinkering and uh, maybe we need to revisit running and diabetes. And we'll probably, you know, we've had some requests for doing more workouts and diabetes conversations. So we'll maybe do some of those again in the future. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a good win. It was a good diabetic win just to not, feel like an anchor which was great um so right on well we hope you guys enjoyed this conversation uh of you know the diabetes podcast and a little bit different pace than what we've been going at recently both time and topic and but i think it, it was a conversation that matters and that's important and that uh isn't necessarily just because we said some things here doesn't mean those are definite and defined and permanent right and so uh this is just a conversation and here we are trying to uh bridge um conversations and connect people and 
and just be a voice that it's not weird to have diabetes and feel these things. You're not alone, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so pre- we appreciate you listening. We appreciate you sharing this podcast because uh, we've noticed the podcast getting a little more popularity. Um, if you do things like rate us and give us five stars or, you know, comments on it, you know, that continues to help us to grow. And if you've done that, we thank you. Um, but even if you haven't, um, and you just listen, you know, thank you for listening. Uh, this is definitely something that Grady and I is a big passion of ours and it, it feels good to, um, know that people are out there and that we're not only helping, but help us too. So, mm-hmm. uh, so thank you. And we love you and we appreciate you. Got anything, Grady? No, I just want, yeah, just to iterate, we, we really appreciate people sharing, people listening. Um, um, makes us feel good that we're able to actually reach out to people and hopefully make a positive change in their lives. And um, always don't be afraid to contact us. We love questions. We love um, input. And so uh, we welcome it with open arms. Mm, absolutely. You know, Thanksgiving is coming up. Maybe we should do a Thanksgiving episode soon. Like, oh, that's a good idea. I have to. <laughs> Anyways, okay. Enough rambling. Thanks, guys. And we'll catch you on, catch you on the next one of the Die Buddies podcast. See you. so much for listening to today's episode if you found value in today's conversation we would appreciate it if you gave a five-star review it really helps us branch out our community and get our message across to those who really need to hear it if you want to interact with us on social media you can follow us on the die buddies podcast on facebook twitter and instagram or if you have any questions comments concerns or moral outrages you can email us at the die buddies podcast at gmail.com thanks